0: Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, Boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to the NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts. And as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. If we turn the mic up a little bit. You might have heard me get a little louder there. It's part of the deal. Hope you guys are well. It is a beautiful day here in Starkville, Mississippi. A little bit warm, but it's beautiful. It's supposed to be a sunny weekend. Not incredibly hot, but it's going to be warm. Low 80s. Probably get out and do a little yard work around here. Got a lot of writing to do. Man, we do. Getting towards the end of the writing process for the uh, sequel to Starkville. We nearly got all the chapters written, but then we're going to have the editing process and that sort of stuff. And that's, that's the part that's not any fun. But it's part of making the book better. You got to go through all those edits. And contrary to popular belief, my books are heavily edited. <laughs> it's it's funny how life works. But anyway, uh, be that as it may, going to work on a lot of that this weekend. Try to get some things done around here. It's not going to be too terribly long. We're able to watch a lot more live sports on television and in person. There are a lot of fans of the English Premier League soccer. Championship that uh, have been kind of waiting around for something cool to happen. They're going to return to the pitch June 17th. June 17th. A lot of you guys probably don't even watch soccer. Might watch that just to have something fresh to root for. Some competitive juices will begin to flow. Still some things they're working through with Major League Baseball. As you guys may have heard, Minor League Baseball is being gutted been talking about that some on the show that has been in the works for some time and and, in the minor leagues and the eyes of many has have become kind of bloated anyway and so the team owners were kind of looking to trim the payroll a little bit sadly there are a lot of bulldogs that uh, might be affected by this in some capacity we'll wait and kind of see how that all falls out but uh, there will be some some folks whose careers come to an end because of the fact that uh, minor league baseball is being gutted in many respects. There's going to be some complete teams that are just going to fold up. So there's less roster spots for all that. And uh, they're still kind of f- figuring all these things out. When they're going to play, how they're going to play, who's going to be there. The Major league baseball is still figuring those things out. That, all that said, any, any conversations that we're having about resuming sport is good. As you guys are well aware, this time next week, the Mississippi State Bulldogs will be back on campus. Players will begin to report on June 1st. I understand Mike Leach is already back here. A lot of Mississippi State Bulldogs really never left. You know, a lot of those guys have off-campus apartments, and they may have gone home temporarily, but they've made their way back. We don't know exactly if it'll be 100% attendance on the, uh, the first workouts, but we'll find out as much as we can. K.J. Costello is supposed to be here uh, this weekend to get ready to report next week. We're going to talk a lot about quarterbacks today. There's been a lot of SEC quarterback news as of late, so we're going to address some of that. We're going to talk about who's coming back, who's competing, who's moving on. You know, it's, it's going to be an interesting year. I think the SEC West... It's pretty loaded at quarterback. I think the East is kind of interesting, even though I think the best quarterback in the conference, returning quarterback, is at Florida at Kyle Trask. But uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, I want you guys to understand that um, we're going to talk a lot more about football and a lot more about sports and that sort of stuff because of the fact that uh, we're getting ready to go. We're not going to keep having these where are they now type shows and that sort of stuff because we're getting we're gearing up and getting ready to go play sports. Now we're not going to have the football camps of June to kind of keep us busy. That's one thing Paul Jones and I have looked forward to for many, many years to get out and get fresh pictures and have a chance to see the kids perform and see how, you know, how they compete. And then we can convey that information to you. We're in the dark about all that stuff, you know, because there's not camps there weren't any Nike combines, none of that happened. And so in many respects we're kind of flying blind. And, you know, there's some guys out there that have great highlight film at the skill positions. It's easy to get those guys, to pull those guys out. Everybody's got them. You can go pull up some stats and go see if the film kind of matches the statistical numbers. You can say, yeah, this kid's pretty good. Oh, here's some objective third-party measurables last year. Oh, he ran a 4-5. Okay, great, a kid's prospect. But without the benefit of combines and without, you know, a lot of great film, it's difficult to find out which these offensive linemen are legit which are developmental guys, which are undersized. You know, when I first got into this industry, uh, I think I saw every 5'10 center in the state of Mississippi. You know, because everybody says, well, you know, he's a little undersized, but he's got a great heart, comes from a great family. And all that may be true, and uh, chances are he probably needs to go to JUCO. But, you know, there's a lot of those people that think, well, he just needs a little exposure. No, he needs a couple more inches. That's the reality of life. SEC football is played by large men that run really, really fast and hit each other really, really hard. There are a lot of kids that can't compete at this level. That's what the combines and the spring evaluation period and the summer camps, that's what all that does. You start with this big funnel, and as you get into football season, you kind of have a pretty good idea of who can can cut it at this level. It's very difficult to make it as a senior. If you haven't shown it on tape, by the time you your a junior, chances are you're going to miss out. It's very, very difficult. It's a good thing Mississippi kids have that junior college system. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company for being longtime sponsors of this show. Very, very proud to be with them. Very, very excited about the future of Bulldog Burger Company. Beginning to get some reports from people saying, you know what, Steve, I went by there, man. It's, been, it's good to be back. It's good to be able to enjoy a great restaurant-quality hamburger. Again, yeah, you can get a hamburger almost anywhere. But not one near as good as you can at Bulldog Burger Company. Let me encourage you. Go by and see them right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas, and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, part of a great family of restaurants that have served the Golden Triangle many, many years. They know what they're doing. They know how to feed folks. Simple as that. Go by and see them. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meat. M-E-A-T. So, Let's get into uh, let's get into some SEC East quarterback stuff first because that's been in the news a little more lately. Georgia with a huge acquisition here in the last day or two with JT Daniels, former USC quarterback, currently the highest-rated player in the transfer portal, according to 247 Sports. Highest-rated quarterback, certainly the number two highest-rated quarterback is KJ Costello. J.T. Daniels had had an injury this year, missed the year. Uh, you know his waiver is pending. I suspect that'll happen, but he's got three years left to play. And not that Georgia hadn't recruited well, they have. But you know, it's a quarterback competition's going to be open here. You know, people can go replace Jake Fromm. So J.T. Daniels comes in, and you just kind of think, man, the rich just seem to get richer. But the SEC East this year. Is uh, it's a little bit wild. I mean, I mean it really is. When you when you look at this, like the West, you kind of have an idea because you've got some incumbent starters. You've got some guys that have kind of worked their way up, and you say, yeah, this 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 guy's going to be the starter. I I believe JT Daniels is going to get that waiver, and I believe JT Daniels is going to be the starter of Georgia. I could be surprised, but I think that's probably what happens. And I told you before, Kyle Trask was tremendous last year I remember the game against Kentucky when Felipe Franks got blown up and Kyle Trask comes up and leads Florida back to win it's a great job of coaching by Dan Mullen and then Kyle Trask takes over and does such a dominant job that Felipe Franks leaves town headed over to Arkansas we'll talk about him a little bit later I think most people will have Kyle Trask as your first team all-SEC quarterback when 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 the magazines and, the, you know, the, the, the lists all come out, and there's no end to any of that stuff. And, again, anybody can make a list that requires no special skill. But Kyle Trask, I think, will be at the top of everybody's list. He is that good. Very, very good player. Jarrett Garantano, the much, much maligned Jarek Garantano, but, you know, I think he kind of saved his career against Mississippi State last year. And that game still aggravates me to no end. I could throw something right now. It just aggravates me. We gave that game away. We blew a chance to go up there and win in Knoxville. That was a bad game for Tommy Stevens. Garrett Schrader got us going but late in the game. Defense couldn't make a stop. If we play any semblance of offense in that first half, that game is over in the third quarter. But we didn't. Jarrett Garantano comes back, leads them back, as we knocked uh, the starter out of the ballgame, Shearer, and then uh, they come back with Garantano, and they win the game and give them credit, turn their season around. They became a different team after winning that day against Mississippi State. And I remember watching Jim Moorhead walk off the field that day, and I began to think, you know what, I don't know if this is going to work out. I hope it does, but I don't know because this is a – a very vulnerable Tennessee team that we let off the hook. South Carolina pretty pretty confident there. Ryan Helensky will be the starter. And, and I, I think that my honest opinion is South Carolina recruits at such a, a good level. They're not elite, but they do a great job there in the Carolinas. There's a lot of teams you know that recruit the neck of the woods, but they do a good job of getting down into Georgia and getting across the state line in North Carolina, even though Mack Brown's making that a little more difficult you know will Mustamp not a tremendous coach but a great motivator and uh, they do recruit i won't be the least bit surprised to see south carolina upset somebody in the east this year i think ryan helinski's really good the vanderbilt thing is a complete disaster the vanderbilt quarterback situation is about as bad as you have ever seen they had four different quarterbacks and played last year three of them started and all of them are gone Every guy on the roster who took snaps in an SEC game last year at quarterback are all gone for Vanderbilt. Now, they'll figure some things out, I guess. You know, Alan Alan Walters transfers to Mississippi State. It makes you wonder, too, how bad the situation is at Vanderbilt that everybody leaves. I mean, there's only 14 SEC quarterbacks starting quarterback jobs in the world. And nobody was willing to stay for that job, it just makes you wonder. I mean, it really makes you wonder about the culture up there at Vanderbilt. I think Derek Mason's on the hot seat to major way this year. Kentucky, Terry Wilson is back. You guys remember Terry Wilson, you know, not the most skilled passer, but very athletic, and, and he made Kentucky very formidable. Pretty, pretty major injury last year, but he's back. And uh, one of the things that will make that interesting is what happens with Joey Gatewood, the Auburn transfer? Does he get a waiver for immediate eligibility? You never know. Every case is a little bit different. But you got to think, you know, Stoops and him are thinking, okay, worst case scenario, we get our guy back. I mean, last year, Lynn Bowden kind of took over the quarterbacking duties just because he was a, just a tremendous athlete and he could help a little bit. But they basically, basically just ran the football. But Kentucky will be an interesting case study this year. Some other people are kind of saying that Kentucky's a bit of a sleeper. I don't think so. I think Kentucky's a six and six, seven and five team again. I don't. I don't believe they've. I don't believe that they have have arrived as a program. I think they're probably. they, they think that they're beginning to crest. And, and the reason that I say that, South Carolina is getting better. Tennessee is getting better. Kentucky will go back to where they were. That's what I expect. They, they have benefited from the fact that Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and Tennessee have all been rebuilding. The Mizzou thing is, is crazy, too. Mizzou, much like Vanderbilt, they have no idea who's going to start this year. I would say Sean Robinson, the former TCU player, former TCU starting quarterback, will probably be the heir apparent. I, I suspect, just because he has some starting experience, he will find a way to win that job and succeed Kelly Bryant. But what's interesting about Sean is that last year, you know, he alleged that he had been mistreated at TCU. And so he filed for an immediate eligibility waiver. Well, that waiver was declined. And NCAA said that they found that the argument was factually inaccurate and i say that to say this there are a lot of people out there that make allegations when they leave programs and there are other people out there that kind of coach people to say hey well listen this new millennial generation you know hey you guys shouldn't be you know coached roughly you shouldn't be treated a certain way or some they should never yell at you or anything like that there there is this new trend in college athletics that we're going to file a waiver request for immediate eligibility because, because a coach hurt my feelings. It was a hostile environment, whatever. And so there are a lot of people, that's the steps they take, and there are people that advise these student athletes sometimes that suggest that's what you should do. And I commend the NCAA in this situation here. And listen, I'm not a huge fan of NCAA enforcement. But they came out and said, hey, we just didn't have, there was no basis to support the allegation. And there's going to be more of that. There's going to be more people that are going to say, hey, this happened, and this happened, and this hurt my feelings, and this happened, and and they said this, and I shouldn't have been talked that way, and so I need to be able to play this year. And those waivers are going to be denied. And then then people are going to react in the media and they're going to have their hot takes and they're going to get everybody inflamed and they're going to try to play to their base and to their crowd and try to get clicks and try to get you to share their article and say, oh my gosh, look at this, can you believe this, The dumb am NCAA? And then you'll find out, well, most of you won't find out. But the bottom line is what what will be learned behind the scenes is that the kid made the whole thing up. Right? If some of these guys just say whatever they're told to say in hopes of getting on the field this year because there are a lot of people that believe that if they get on the field they'll help their team win, forget the truth. We just want to get a kid on the field. And so if we got to go cut corners and lie about it, then we will, right? Because that's, that's the narrative that some people try to paint. And so just because somebody files for a waiver doesn't mean they get a waiver. You remember last year Mississippi State's Allen Love transferred in from Louisville And uh, his mother's health situation was very much legitimate, and there was a lot of hope that they would be able to get him eligible. Turns out he got injured anyway, so it it would have been really kind of a moot point. But all that said, he had a legitimate medical family issue. And then he moved from Louisville, Kentucky, to Starkville, Mississippi, and he was outside of the radius. There's a radius they use they consider, you know, when they review these waivers. And so he felt just outside of it. I mean, we could make an argument that he was there as the crow flies, but um, be that as it may, even though that was more of a legitimate request, it was declined. And, again, it worked out for State. He was able to redshirt and rehab, and, and hopefully he's good to go this year. But there will be some waivers out there, and I expect the NCAA to be a lot more lenient this year about, you know, especially when both schools agree. That's the big thing, and that was one of the things, kind of the honest about this whole transfer thing, is they really want to put it back on the schools. And again, as i said on this show many times, if both schools agree, then I don't think there's any question that, uh, that immediate eligibility should be granted. But, you know, let's say, for an example, you got a kid that's leaving, and yes, you know, really for no reason whatsoever, and you know, perhaps there is um, an incident. You know, I mean, maybe there's something, maybe there's a good reason that this person is leaving a program maybe they're running from a disciplinary situation maybe they have pending pending legal charges and so they're just trying to get away and, and i should still be able to play well i don't think those waivers should be granted i don't think you should be able to transfer out of that i don't think you should be awarded for that rewarded excuse me so all that being said I, that i hated to run off on a tangent there but i just found that interesting as I did my research for today's show, that that Robinson found for the waiver. If you go back and look at the news articles in the very beginning when he transferred from TCU to Missouri, they were very optimistic that that waiver was going to be granted, and it was not. They appealed the waiver and and still didn't work out. But there's a good chance he'll play this year. So don't know the young man, don't know his situation at all, but I do know what the NCAA released in their statement. I tell you what, let's go ahead and do the top ten list and before we get to SEC West quarterbacks. And, and so I, I get a lot of messages from, from you folks about these top ten lists. It has really kind of grown to the point that uh, I get multiple requests every day, and that is, okay, keep sending them. Some of them interest me. Some of them don't. Uh, I got a good one that I'm going to look to try to get to next week because somebody got inspired by the uh, transfer, the transfer top ten we had a couple days ago and said, hey, Steve, what about junior college transfers? What about guys that transferred in from junior college? I had multiple people mention that to me. You can go all the way back to the the 50s, and you can find some guys that are legends at Mississippi State that came up through the Mississippi Junior College system. And so that's going to take a little time to put together. Then I had somebody else said, hey, Steve, listen, you do a lot of rock and roll top tens. Listen, I appreciate all that, but I'm not a rock and roll guy. How about we change it up a little bit? So we're going to. We're going to change it up today. But I want to give a shout-out to uh, to Russell Thomas. Russell Thomas, longtime Boneyard listener, tagged me in a Facebook post and said, you know what, I got inspired today after hearing Steve talk about the Led's Up on Top Ten. I got out my Led's Up and box set, went through all the album art, put the CDs on, and just had a great time, and it said it reminded him of a time... When he was working a job and it was, he was struggling to make ends meet, but he invested in getting that LEDs up on box set. Now, here we are now, 30 years later, and he still has it, and it's taken him to a place that perhaps he had forgotten. I shared with him that I think music is the most important time machine that we'll ever abort. takes you back. It reminded me when I read his story, it reminded me of back in uh, 1992. 1992, I was broke as a Ten Commandments. I had $25 left in my checking account the day before payday. And I went to Sound Shop at Cloverleaf Mall in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And Frances, the beautiful blonde Frances, waited on me. Loved her. Loved Larry, the whole group there. I knew everybody by first name because I spent so much time and money in there. And that's how it was back in those days. You'd hang out in record stores whether you buy anything or not. Sometimes you had to talk yourself into it. But I went in there and I bought a VHS, the Mother Love Bone, VHS told the story of Andrew Wood. Of course, that was the precursor to Pearl Jam, and so it's amazing that the, the, the things that we invest in at the time they just seem like well, it's it's really not a big deal. But you look back in hindsight, and say, you know what I made that that decision to buy that, it, and uh, I'm really glad that I did. So let's get into uh, top ten today. We're gonna go we're gonna go top ten eighties rap songs. Top ten 80s rap songs, and I'm gonna go and give you a little some parameters here because I've already had some people in my house disagree with me and they're wrong and you will be too if you disagree with me. So here's what I did. Okay, so because I wanted to get more 80s rappers names in the show, I limited to one song per act because I could probably rattle off about eight or nine public enemy songs that are among my favorites and then you wouldn't have anybody else. And so I, I, so there will be some classic rap Artists and bands in this list, and you may like a song better, but I limited it to one song per artist. Okay? Also, I like rap music that you can dance to. Some of it has more of a message than others, but I also like rap music that has a message. Sometimes I don't agree with all the politics behind the message. But I still enjoy hearing people that are passionate about public issues. I don't think it's always just about dance. I think sometimes, as I mentioned, Public Enemy, Public Enemy, Rage Against the Machine, uh, NWA, all those acts very important to me because of the fact that I've always been, uh, you know, a person that believed in re- rebellion in, in many respects. And I don't mean rebellion, uh, you know, in necessarily a biblical sense, but you know, there has, uh, nothing ever changes in the world until people get loud and uh, the climate of which we're dealing with things now I'm not going to make any political statements about any of that stuff because I want you to be free of all that when you come here this is supposed to be you know a family show but uh, you know the greatest changes in, in our country have always come when people have risen up and, uh, and stood up for themselves so no matter where you come down on those issues I always respect the right of any American to be able to speak their piece right or wrong but to be able to be heard and i think many of those uh, especially those 80s rap artists uh, were kind of revolutionaries in many respects and uh, not only changed music but changed american culture so here we go and again some of these are dance songs so maybe, maybe put them on your playlist and dance a little bit number 10 the number 10 80s rap song in my mind it is a classic. I heard this a couple days ago. It's Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock, It Takes Two. It Takes Two to Make a Thing Go Right. It's, that whole album is great. Joy and Pain was a big hit for them too. But I think when you, when you hear Rob Bass, that's the song you think of. It Takes Two. Number nine for me on my list, and again, my list is correct. If, you, if your list differs, you're, you're wrong, is I Get the Job Done by Big Daddy Kane. There's a lot of Big Daddy Kane songs I like. He, he was a little more dancey, I guess you could say. Always had, you know, kind of a, a track you could dance to. If you don't know Big Daddy Kane, let me encourage you, give Big Daddy a try. Number eight on my list, Run DMC, and I could have gone with a number of songs here, but I went with It's Tricky. I could have gone with My Adidas. I could have gone with Hard Times. I could have gone with so many. Hard Times my first Run DMC favorite very basic drum track and you can watch that great documentary about uh gem master j on netflix if, if you're interested in that um and a lot of people say well steve how could you not go with walk this way i didn't because it was a collaboration it was originally an aerosmith song while run dmc and aerosmith had a great great run and that video was an mtv favorite for i don't know how long uh it was It was kind of a precursor to to what happened with Public Enemy and Anthrax when when they did Bring the Noise, which is one of my favorite collaborations of all time. But it's tricky. Wanted Run DMC to be on the list. Could have gone with a lot of things, but I went with it's tricky. Uh, Number seven on my list, Special Ed. I got it made. I think that's one of those jazzy tracks that kind of stands on its own. It still stands up today. I listened to it before I recorded the show. If if you pull up and listen to Special Ed, I Got It Made, it sounds like it was recorded last week. I mean, the delivery is so great. Uh, The instrumentation is great. It doesn't sound like it was recorded back in the 80s. It is a masterpiece. I, I absolutely love that song. Love his delivery. Love his style. Love his flow. It's great. Number six, who I think in many respects arguably the greatest rapper of all time and i know a lot of people say well steve you're out of your mind no i'm not i'm not he was a pioneer does not get near the credit that he deserves but that's eric b paid in full by eric b and rakim uh i remember when uh eric b was the president you know rakim uh people forget too about rakim rakim as a rapper was one of those people too that he was so different from everybody else his delivery was different he didn't get sped up he was one of those guys too that always had something insightful to say you go back and listen to some of their earlier stuff you know, that they were one of the first people to kind of have like a live DJ when they recorded uh, with Eric B and so and I got a little confused when I was talking about this but all that being said um, they were pioneers for this genre and for those of you young people, if you, when you listen to Paid in Full, you're going to find out that that song has been sampled and sampled and sampled by everybody in the industry, it seems. Number five, and I could have gone with a lot of different songs here because this is one of those guys, too, that was one of the pioneers in rap, and uh, I remember watching him on American Bandstand, and yes, I know I'm dating myself, but it's LL Cool J. And then for those of you that don't know, the J stands for James. The LL stands for Ladies Love Cool James. That's what LL Cool J stands for. I went with "I'm bad." I could have gone with any. I could have gone for "I'm that type of guy." Any of that stuff. Off walking like a panther. Could have gone with "Radio." Could have gone with uh, "Ring the bells." Could have gone with a bunch of different ones. It's jiggling. Could have done all that. But I think "I'm bad" is kind of the quintessential LL Cool J song. It's my favorite. Number four on the list, representing the West Coast. Some of you know him as Detective Finn Tutuola from Law and Order's SVU. I know him from the West Side. Ice T, Colors. Ice T was already an established rapper long before uh, MTV came along, and uh, Colors was one of those things that really kind of put rap music on the forefront because it was uh, it was on a motion picture soundtrack to, to a great movie about gang violence in, in Los Angeles, and so. Uh, Ice T's had a ton of hits. That whole new New Jack City swing thing he did, you know, with the original Gangster and all that stuff, kind of rejuvenated his career. Uh, a lot of people only see him as an actor, but you go back and follow him on uh, on Twitter. He's a great follow at the final level. At final level, Ice T is the greatest. Number three on my list. I wanted to get into N.W.A. in here, but this is a family show, and so um, in my mind, the favorite, my favorite song uh, of that of that tree okay because you know you can get dr dre you can get mc Ren, you can get yellow but you can get ice cube i want boys in the hood from easy to me i think when you think about classic rap songs i, I don't know what's more classic than boys in the hood by easy i very easily could have put this number one my number one is a surprise to people and again there are a lot of people around me that i've discussed this list with it so i can't believe you did that well i did it boys in the hood easy number three Number two on my list, and again, I could have gone with any, a number of their songs at number one, but I went Fight the Power with Public Enemy. I was a huge Public Enemy fan. I was probably one of the uh, one of the first white kids in the state of Mississippi to have a Public Enemy hat. I went and saw Public Enemy. Public Enemy was great. Chuck D, great. Flavor Flav has kind of had some uh, ups and downs over the years. But uh, you know Chuck D has uh, done some stuff with Rage Against the Machine. It's the Prophets of Rage. Uh, Chuck D is an important voice. I may not agree with everything that he says politically, but he is articulate and intelligent in everything that he does. And even that I don't agree with everything that he does politically, You know, I, I think Chuck D is a true activist in every sense of the word uh, and really has done a lot for the African-American community. Number one on my list, though, when you go back to Guys That Can Flow, you go back to songs you can dance to, because you can't really dance to fight the power, right? I mean, that's not a song that played in the clubs. Number one for me is Children's Story by Slick Rick. That's right. I, w- I went there. Slick Rick, Children's Story, another great song that has a story to tell, cautionary tale about getting involved with the life of crime. want to give a shout-out to some other bands, though. I didn't mention them, but uh, I really loved EPMD, of course, NWA, Beastie Boys, Dougie Fresh, Curtis Blow, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, Dougie Fresh, the show, nearly made the list, as well as uh, Lottie Dottie. So all that stuff, a lot of people look at me and say, Steve, you know, I know you're a big rock guy. No, I'm a big music guy. I'm a big music guy. And while I listen to a lot more rock these days, I've always been a rock guy at heart. But I've always, 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 always respected the voices of rebellion. Uh, even, Even, again, if I don't fully appreciate the message... I appreciate the passion behind it because you know, I, I would be really upset, too, if somebody tried to shut me up. And there are a lot of people out there that have something to say, and uh, sometimes they have to shout it in order to be heard. And uh, many of these voices told a much deeper story in our country. And so we've made some progress obviously since the 80s, but as recent events have shown us, we still have a long way to go. Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of this show. Man, love Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. I can't wait to get in there and just see them face to face. Need to go by there and check them out. I told you guys we've got a, we got an A B honor roll student in this house. So we got to go get that outfit for them. We're going to go by and do that. Uh, you need to do the same thing for your kids. Support them and reward them for making good grades by helping them uh, get new Mississippi State merchandise. You can visit them in person or at campusbookmart.net and by being a loyal boneyard listener we'll give you a phrase that pays that's bsr which stands for beautiful steve robertson and that code will get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks any order less than 50 dollars, absolutely incomplete Campusbookmark.net. so let's get over here to the sec west and talk some quarterbacks here again like i told you the west is a little more settled i mean you've got some headliners over in the east but i think the west has fewer quarterback battles there's probably only one to be honest with you and that's that's an oxford i don't know how much of a battle that's going to be uh but so alabama returns mac jones you know he went three and one as a starter last year he doesn't have that laser point accuracy that Tua attack does and so it'll be interesting but he is a very talented quarterback in his own right and I think obviously he will be the the heir apparent probably be the starter uh, as they get ready to go in there and get going you know Bo Nix will likely be a four-year starter at Auburn and listen I saw some people last you really critical of him I and mean, the guy was a freshman the guy comes from great bloodlines he is one of those guys that uh, that has a big arm Gus Malzahn is a bit of a mad scientist when it comes to quarterbacks. He knows how to develop them. He's, had, he's been a little bit up and down at times, but they have gone out and recruited a guy who was an Auburn legacy that grew up wanting to play at Jordan Air Stadium probably worse than anybody in the last decade, a quarterback. Uh, so he'll do a good job for them. I think that he will have uh, he'll have a good situation. They, they've got some, some spots to fill on defense, but uh, I think Bo will have them competitive offensively. Uh, it's interesting, too, to see people pick LSU as high as they have in some of the preseason polls. And I think a lot of it's because maybe people don't want to deal with the criticism that would come. Well, they won an NFL championship, but they lost just about the entire coaching staff and roster. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like when you look at that offense, yeah, they're going to bring back a little bit. But Joe Burrow had the greatest season a college quarterback has ever had. And if you don't think they're going to take a bit of a step back this year, you're kind of kidding yourselves. Then you've got Clyde – Edward Hilaire that's gone, and you've got uh, you know talented wide receivers that are gone. Not to mention they lost just about everybody on defense. So you know I, I can see them being an eight and four, nine and three type team. I mean they're going to lose some games this year. You got Miles Brennan at quarterback. In all due respect to the Saints' Dennis Law star, he is very talented, but he is not on the same level as Joe Burrow. Now I'm sure he learned a lot last year from watching Joe, but how is that offense going to click without Joe Brady? And I know so many people If somebody, you know, Steve Inzmiger. And, listen, Steve's a huge name down in the Cajun country. But Joe Brady is what brought, you know, the five receiver release and all that kind of stuff. He's the, he's the genius behind that offense, and now he's with the Carolina Panthers. So it's going to be a transition year at LSU. I think last year was one of those dream seasons. I don't know if anybody will ever meet that again. I mean, LSU might have had the greatest season in college football history. I mean, when you begin to look at all of it, it combined, the things that they were able to overcome and the schedule they played, to, to not expect them to take a step back is, is being a little bit, I think, short-sighted. A&M will return Cal Mond. A&M is, is the trendy pick is the dark horse in the West. So, I don't know, so because they are so trendy, I don't know if they're a real dark horse. Obviously, that Auburn-A&M game will be huge. I am not a Cal and Mon fan. And if you've ever listened to the show, you'll get that. Listen, I've got respect that the guy's a tough competitor. But he is a guy, when you're able to disguise coverages a little bit, he will give you the football game. Now, they're going to have a veteran team. They're going to have veteran skill position players. They didn't lose hardly anything on defense. They're going to be better. This is a huge year for Jimbo. This is the expectations year, right? And because, listen, you know, Jimbo signed with a $75 million contract guaranteed or whatever it was, ridiculous number like that. Uh, you know it's time for uh, for them to start seeing some return on the investment and they they have not been an elite team when you're making that type of money and you go out and you take Florida State's coach and you you know you break the bank and you make the headlines you better do better than go to the Gator Bowl all due respect to the Gator Bowl we've had some great memories there but you understand my point it's time for Jimbo to make a move. Now, he's not going to be on the hot seat, but if people are going to take Texas A&M seriously, this has to be a year where they really challenge in the SEC West. And I don't think that Alabama or LSU are near what they were a year ago. I don't, and I really don't think it's close. So I could see A&M picking somebody off. It's going to depend on how the schedule works. Uh, KJ Costello, of course, transfers into Mississippi State. Excited about that. Excited about him. Excited about what he brings. I think he gives Mississippi State a running start into offensive installation because this is a guy, obviously, that has some NFL aspirations. A lot of people believe that he is going to be drafted, which is interesting because you had Dak Prescott who was drafted. You had Nick Fitzgerald who played pro football last year. Yes, it was the XFL, but he played. Then you've had Tommy Stevens drafted. And now you've got K.J. Costello. You know, we went decades without having a quarterback drafted. We may have four in a row that end up playing pro football. It's funny how life works. But K.J. is going to come in here, and I think K.J. gives you a lag up on a lot of people. He is going to make you better just because, number one, he's already been in a fire. And so you've got some receivers out there that need some guidance and some direction. And the sooner that he can get on the field with those guys and work out and train, the better off everybody's going to be. But I see some of these uh some of these idiots that you know, put the old oh, states of four and eight, five and seventeen. Man, get out of here. Get out of here. It's ridiculous. All right, we mentioned Arkansas. Uh they get Felipe Franks. You know, I don't know if the Arkansas, man, that they, they were a complete mess last year. I mean, an absolute mess uh when it came to uh quarterback play last year. And you remember they took Bernie Nick Starkle and uh, I guess it was Mason Hicks, or Mason Hicks is his name. Uh, but my point being is they went out and signed two grad transfer quarterbacks and uh, were easily the worst team in the SEC West. And those are the things that I look at, and I begin to ask myself, you know, what took so long? You know, when Chad Morris goes out and gets his guy and then gets another guy, and then is that anemic on offense? I mean, when you're having to put Jerry Jones' grandson out there who was really kind of a courtesy roster spot to move the team, I mean, you know, come on. And you got K.J. K.J. comes in and does some decent things. But, uh, you know, obviously with Felipe Franks coming in, you know, K.J. obviously is probably, uh, you know, in waiting. You know, he's going to be working. Then you've got a situation at Ole Miss. You know, and, and here's the thing. You know, I'm a Rich Rodriguez fan. I know some other people are thinking, oh, you know, he's kind of over the hill. You know, when Rich Rodriguez was at West Virginia, what he was doing with the quarterback run with Pat White and uh, Levi Slayton and, and, uh, and those guys, it was kind of, it was from a different era. And it seemed like he was, like, he was the innovator in the game, much like when Urban Meyer, you know, was at Bowling Green. Uh, you know, it just seemed like they were on the cusp of doing something pretty cool. And then he goes to Utah, and you're thinking, man, there's some, there is something to this. That's how it looked with Rich Rod. So he gets the job at Michigan. It, you know, shoestring Robinson becomes uh, a lot of people thought he was going to be a Heisman guy. You know, but, but, again, nobody I don't think in the game today handles the quarterback run the same way that Rich Rodriguez does. And the work that he did last year with John Rice-Palmley was incredible. I mean, it really was. I mean, think about this, and and people are going to say, well, Steve, you're just throwing shade at Ole Miss. That's not true. They didn't have a lot of experience on offense last year. They didn't have a lot of experienced playmakers on offense. And yet he still had them scoring. They couldn't stop anybody, but he had them scoring on some big teams. They put up some points on LSU, and a lot of it was big plays. It wasn't these methodical drives, you know, where you had to get out there and have a kid read the defense. He just kind of schemed you up and let Plumlee run. I suspect that they will have a package for he and Corral both. You know, last year when State played Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl, you know, Plumlee, uh played, and the quarterback run just wasn't there. I thought Jaquarius Landrews and Willie Gay did a great job kind of limiting Plumbly in the running game. Uh, and then when it came time to throw, they put Corral in the game, and, of course, Corral leads them down there throws the pick to Marcus Murphy and then comes back late. And so if you have two guys that capable whose skill sets are so different, you got to find a way to use them both. Maybe you even get a both on the field at the same time. Maybe you let Plumwe play some at a slot receiver, but obviously they're not totally convinced that they have the answer at quarterback, or they wouldn't have been chasing JT Daniels. That said, you're always trying to improve your roster, so I don't fault Lane Kiffin and all Miss for going looking for for that. But um, you know that's the one quarterback situation I think in the West you look at and say might go might go either way. like everybody else in the West, I think it's pretty much established who's going to be the starter, uh, and so. Is this the year the quarterback in the SEC? It seems like we ask that every couple of years. Uh, I don't think so. But I think we're going to have much improved quarterback play top to bottom because you have had some guys kind of move around. And, and you, you go look at the fact, you know, Georgia's going to have a transfer. Um, Vanderbilt's going to have a transfer. Kentucky's going to transfer. Missouri's got uh, a transfer. Mississippi State, Iowa, if we a transfer. You know, Arkansas has a transfer. So you've got some guys out there, because there's only one quarterback, right? It's usually four and five wide receivers, but just the one quarterback. And so they uh, they get out and move around. So I think you've seen the kind of a balance of power at the quarterback position kind of shift in the SEC this year. But there's a lot of people out there in the national media that are very curious about what is K.J. Costello going to do in the Mike Leach offense. And a lot of that's going to boil down to how quickly the Mississippi State receivers can kind of get on the same page. And uh, with those guys getting here next week, that is job one. I don't think there's any question K.J.'s got to immediately get in the group text and say, hey, guys, let's go throw. Let's get out here and get going. Uh, It helps to have an NFL prospect coming in at quarterback, and he's not a dark horse prospect. This is the guy that many people expected to be the starter uh, last year at Stanford throughout the year, but he had some injuries and then expected him to be an early declara- declaration for the draft. Uh, and so things didn't quite go as well as, as he wanted. But that said, he will have an opportunity now to play in the probably the most uh, quarterback-friendly offense in the history of the game. Going to line up and just kind of throw it around. And if those Bulldog receivers can carry their end of the deal, it could be a really good year. Now, I'm not expecting State to contend for the West. I'm expecting State to be a very, very solid bowl team. I think State's going to be a good team this year. I think, you know, we've got some question marks on defense, and I think this delay probably hurts the defense more than anything. Of course, you'd love to have had KJ Costello out there uh, in the spring throwing to receivers, you know, as much as he could. So it's going to be difficult to make those reps up. But I think it's even more difficult because of the fact that you're making such a change defensively in the alignment it's going to take some time to kind of get your keys down and, and, and kind of get all your reads and what you're going to do, and there will be some miscommunication. I think we're going to be well ahead offensively of where people expect us to be and probably a little bit behind defensively just because of the fact you've got a lot of new players lining up in different places, watching different keys, and so it's going to be a little bit different. And so the sooner the better, We'll get everybody on the field and we'll get going. But uh, I don't worry about the quarterback position at Mississippi State. To be honest with you, I wouldn't have worried a whole lot about it if we hadn't got K.J. Costello to come in here. But since we do have K.J. Costello, who has one of the biggest arms in the NCAA, I think you can feel really good about his ability to push the ball downfield. And Mike Leach has probably never had a quarterback quite as – talented as K.J. Costello, unless maybe you go back to Cliff Kingsbury. Maybe Graham Harrell. But I would say K.J. is probably a little more accomplished coming out of high school. And so, with Mike's, you know, ability to develop quarterbacks, and you have a guy like this that is already so far ahead of the game, it'll be interesting. You know, he didn't have to have a chip on his shoulder to kind of get motivated. This is a guy that understands that he's he's trying to make everybody – realize that he is a potential first or second round type guy. He's going to get a chance to to showcase that. And And it's been a mixed bag with Mike Leach quarterbacks. There have been some very prolific quarterbacks that put up some huge numbers that have kind of been labeled as systems guys that hadn't really drawn the attention of NFL scouts. This is a different situation with K.J. because he was already on the NFL radar. And I interviewed his trainer some time ago, and he told me that K.J. feels like he's got a little something to prove because he didn't expect to be back this year. He thought he would go out and be drafted and be prepared for a pro football future this summer. And, you know, listen, they reached out and kind of got some feedback from some, uh, some people in the NFL draft stock business, and uh, they felt he was a little bit lower than he wanted to be. He had the ability to take advantage of a grad transfer, and here he is. This could be a great scenario for Mississippi State. I think we're going to be able to outscore some teams. And I I will still contend to you my hot take of the year. Mike Leach is going to get somebody that people aren't expecting. Mike Leach is going to upset somebody this year that people aren't expecting. A lot of people are sleeping on Mississippi State, and that's fine. I I think sometimes State does better when we're a little bit under the radar. Uh, But I think the SEC West is absolutely wide open. I've seen some of these people expecting Alabama to go undefeated. I, I I don't see it. I, I really don't see it. I think it's going to be a very interesting year in the uh, SEC West, in the East. So, if we come down to Florida and Georgia, probably who wins that game wins the East. I think the rest of those teams over there are going to have a difficulty challenging those two. But I think the West is a lot more open than people realize. I think I think A and M is going to make things awfully interesting. Well, that's going to wind it down for today. Uh, a couple more things I want to talk about before we get out of here, uh, just to share. You know, one of the things I don't know if you guys know about me is that uh, I really enjoy playing cards. I, I really do. I really do. And and one of the things that I love most about playing, I'm a, I enjoy Rook probably the most. And people laugh, Steve, What poker's a real man's game. I enjoy playing poker too, but I enjoy Rook because of all the strategy involved in it. There's a lot of strategy involved. You know, you bid for the kitty and you get the name Trumps so and you gotta play with a partner, and there's just a lot of things about Rook that I find very intriguing. And one of the things that I love to do the most when I play cards, whether it be poker, but especially rook, when I know that I have the hand, and I know that other people are, are trying to go chase the kitty because they want to change their momentum or their station in the game. They want to go improve their positioning that they may get a little over-aggressive at times. They may go ahead and say, you know what, hey, I'm going to go ahead and get the kitty. And then they'll get it, and then they'll name the trumps, and then we set them. And, you know, by setting them, means, you know, that they bid so many points and they don't get them. And so we advance, and then they go backwards. And so I say that to say this. There are a lot of people out there that are not very good card players. And I don't just mean at the card table. I mean in life. There are a lot of people out there that they're trying to bluff their way through all of this, And then as things begin to develop, they don't realize the hand that perhaps we hold. And so they're feeling good about life, and all of a sudden they get down to the last couple of uh, hands, and they realize, oh my gosh, we're about to get set, and there's not anything you can do to save it. And so remember that as you kind of go throughout things, and you read some of the media coverage and that sort of stuff. There are a lot of people out there. They think that they have got a winning hand. They have kind of conned the game a little bit, but they they don't have the red one or the rook. They just kind of over overshot their hand a little bit. And at some point there will be a price to pay sooner rather than later. Well, that's gonna do it for today. Remind you if you hadn't done so, go to starkvillainsthebook.com. get copies of Flim Flam and Stark Villains. You can get them personalized. As a matter of fact, I'm having to sign books every week. You guys are doing great. You can find them at great bookstores all over. But if you want personalized copies, I'm not doing any book signings probably until September. And so if you want a personalized copy for Father's Day or a birthday or a wedding gift or whatever, you got to get it from StarkVillainsTheBook.com. And if you're looking for Stark Villains clothing, you can find that at StarkVillains.com. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.